It's been six days since you discovered your best friend's body. It was a Sunday night. You found him in his condo, laying in his own bed. It feels like it just happened yesterday, though. His pale, lifeless face, it's forever burned into your memories. You knew the second you saw him that someone else did this. But it's hard to explain how it could have happened. There was no sign of struggle. His front door was locked. The condo was clean, and he was even under his covers in his bed. In a state of shock, you grabbed his journal before calling the ambulance. For the next few days, you waited patiently for the police to start their investigation. But just yesterday, you heard that his death was ruled as an overdose of insulin. The news sent shockwaves throughout the town. You felt devastated, but also confused. You know that Daniel was very responsible with his diabetes care. It was only when you started hearing whispers implying suicide that you finally took matters into your own hands. You opened his journal and started your own investigation. This morning, you were still struggling to put the pieces together when you received a phone call from an unlikely source. You listened intently to everything they had to say, and then all of a sudden, everything fell into place. The journal, your last conversation with Daniel, even his death. He didn't overdose. He was murdered. Your name is Joey, and you know who killed Daniel. It's late afternoon, and you're pulling into the local police station. You see your informant waiting for you in the parking lot. You grab the journal from your car seat, and you enter the station together. The police station is bare bones. It's what you would expect from a small town. You live in the kind of place where everyone knows everyone. Speaking of, you recognize Sam, the minister from the town's church. He's just entered the lobby from a restricted area. He stops and speaks quietly to the woman behind the front desk. He's always made you uncomfortable, and you avoid eye contact as he passes through the lobby and out of the front door. Eventually, you're both shown into a small room. It looks like it would be used for interrogations if this were the kind of town where people were interrogated. You sit at a plain table, and an officer named Bill enters the room. You recognize Bill. Him and his wife shop at your store sometimes. You've always thought of him as well-mannered and soft-spoken. You're surprised to learn that he works in law enforcement. You all three take turns shaking hands. You spend the next 30 minutes explaining everything you know and presenting evidence against Daniel's killer. Bill nods sympathetically. Once you're both done talking, he announces there's nothing he can do. He says that Daniel died of an insulin overdose, and nothing you say will change that. He encourages you to seek counseling with the church. You're completely stunned as he briskly pushes you out of the door. You cling to the journal. You cannot believe this is happening. You're standing in the parking lot of the police station. Your disbelief is quickly fading into anger. You know that you have to take action, not only for your own safety, but also for Daniel's legacy. The funeral is tomorrow and the truth needs to get out. You cannot stand the idea of him being buried while his killer is on the loose. You climb into your car, 
but you know that you cannot go home. You decide to drive to the local news station. You'll be safe there, and just maybe you can get somebody to listen to you. You're almost there when suddenly the car next to you swerves right into you. It happens so fast you don't even notice what kind of car it is. Your adrenaline spikes and you fight to gain control of your own vehicle. You're skidding on the shoulder and just as you steer back onto the road, you're hit again. This time it's hard. Your car is propelled headfirst into a large tree. Everything goes black. As you slowly regain consciousness, you notice that everything is dark. You're blindfolded now and are laying on what feels like a metal floor. You attempt to pull down the blindfold and that's when the first wave of pain hits. Your hands are tied behind your back and your right arm is throbbing. You attempt to wiggle your fingers and can feel each of them move, a small ray of hope. You take slow breaths in and out and focus on your surroundings. You can tell that you're in some kind of moving vehicle. You focus on the movement and can deduce that you're on a well-maintained road. The vehicle makes a sharp right turn and the road gets noticeably rougher. You count in your head to get an estimate of how far you travel. At 178, the vehicle stops. You hear a door slide open. It's deafeningly loud. This makes you realize how quiet it is outside. Even the cicadas are starting to fade. Someone grabs you from underneath your arms and slides you out of the vehicle. They place your feet on the ground and force you to stand up. One hand stays tightly gripped on your arm and you hear the other one shuffling around. Next, you hear the unmistakable sound of a cattle teaser. You fall to the ground in reaction, but realize that it didn't actually touch you. Your captor pulls at your arm again. This time you walk. You count your steps. At 25, you encounter a door. A few more steps inside and you're pushed to the ground. Your captor tightens the restraints on your arms. Next, you can feel your legs being restrained in a similar manner. You start kicking as hard as you can, but you're not strong or fast enough. The loud, unnerving sound of the taser pierces the air, and this time it makes contact. Everything goes black. It's cold. You're still blindfolded. You estimate that it's close to dawn from the balmy air. Today is Daniel's funeral, and you need to get out of here. You wince in pain as you sit up. Your hands and legs are still tied together. You painfully crawl in one direction until you hit a wall. By rubbing your head against it, you're able to shimmy the blindfold loose. It's dark inside, but the morning light is starting to sneak through the cracks in the wooden structure. It appears that you're in an old barn. It's empty and looks weathered. You're relieved to see that you're alone. Next, you focus on the restraints on your legs. Your captor has tied them above your knees. They are tight, but you know that if you can push them down to your calves, you may be able to get out. You start to work. 
It takes a lot of rolling on the dirt floor and rubbing against the wall, but eventually you work the ropes low enough that you can kick off one shoe and pull your left leg out. Now that you can see and walk, you know that you're close to making your escape. You manage to pull the ropes off of your arms and kick through a weak piece of wood on the locked door. You quickly grab your other shoe and run as fast as your body will let you. You try to wipe the dirt from your face and clothes, but you know that you look like a mess. Almost immediately, a small truck stops and asks if you need help. You muster a sense of calm and a genuine smile. You don't want to scare off your savior. Yes, you respond. I need a ride to the church. You're at Daniel's funeral now. The parking lot is full of cars, but the service has already started and you're all alone. In fact, you feel more alone than you ever have. You sit on the ground and try to make sense of the last two days. There's a killer on the loose and you are afraid for your life. You know you have to do something, but what can you do? You cannot count on the police, and you're not sure that anyone else will believe you. But at least you know who the killer is. This leaves you only one choice. You must confront the killer. This is not something you can do alone. You're gonna need help. You spot another funeral attendee from across the parking lot, but they are not walking towards the church. They're walking towards you. At first you panic, but then you realize who you're looking at. It's the help that you asked for. Got him in Wyoming. Montana's got its best. Seen him here in other places, out here in the West. You have been listening to Ghost Story, a podcast brought to you by Cold Plunge Studios. If you enjoyed this episode, hit the subscribe button on the podcast player of your choice. For more content, visit us at ghoststorypodcast.com. And finally, thank you for listening. I hope that you don't change. Nights and drugstore.